Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In this episode, I sit down with Rex Salisbury, a former partner at venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, aka A16Z, who recently announced a new $20 million solo fintech fund to back early stage founders. In this episode, Rex and I get into how community building in fintech accidentally led him into the world of venture. In fact, Rex's new fund is unique in that it is an extension of the Cambrian fintech community he created back in 2016, which has now grown to over 20,000 members with a Slack channel of over 1,300 fintech founders. For years, fintech founders have been collaborating on Cambrian Slack on everything from knowledge sharing to support to co-founder matching, deal sourcing, investor intros, and so many other things that are a natural evolution of community building. So excited for you all to learn and hear more from Rex himself. Enjoy. Rex, thank you so much for joining Humans of Fintech Season 3. Excited to have you. Hey, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I was going to tell you, you might be one of the most requested guests that I'm constantly told. Like when I meet with people or I meet someone new, they're like, oh, have you had Rex yet? You met Rex, right? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And so that's what I wanted to tell you. So it feels like uh, for me, it's kind of like, a, okay, I'm finally making this happen. Make it, make, giving the people what they want. It turns out there are a surprising number of people who are interested in fintech, which sometimes surprises me, frankly. It's both exciting and still surprises me that I can be out in my social life and be asked about fintech constantly. Literally like at a party the other night, a friend's house warming on a Saturday night and it's like late and I'm being asked about about fintech. And I'm like, I love fintech more than uh, just as much as the next person, but Saturday night talking job. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Depends what exactly you're talking about. I think part of what makes right. it so alluring is that it's both something that everyone can relate to, like everyone or almost everyone yeah. has a bank account or has some interaction with money. And so that's like an entry point. And then the more you learn, the more you learn like how broken things are, how much complexity there is under the hood. And so like anyone can get started. And once you get started, you can kind of get sucked in. And so, yeah. and some people, you know, they start to see that and like, oh no, like that's too much. Like I want to go back to just like straight software <laughs> land where I don't have to like worry about all of these like regulatory concerns, yeah. but then for another type of founder or person, they're like, oh, I love this. I love this like complexity and understanding yeah. like all the levels at which the system operates. So, I mean, speaking of kind of getting like sucked into fintech, when it comes to like, that community building for you, which is really like you talk about it often, you write posts about it. And I even love the language around like, I like building community had me accidentally fall into venture funding, which is really interesting. But like, what was it maybe about that very like communal centric route that you wanted to take and build that like what drew you into thinking, okay, like fintech and community? Because people now maybe see it. But, you know, before this is kind of like a new revelation is in, in creating community in the fintech space. 
I mean, like you said, it was it was an accident. So I was working as a software engineer, like building product in fintech. And I was like, oh, I want to talk to other people who are building really interesting things. Specifically, what I was building is like a fully automated online mortgage pre-approval for a direct consumer mortgage company. That company didn't work out, but had like a great time, learned a lot. What's different about fintech versus other industries is like, if you want to understand how like the best of the best build things in open source software, well, it's open source. So you can just like, hang out online, like hang out on GitHub, submit PRs to anything. It's almost permissionless. But you almost need community more in fintech than in other ecosystems because it's so heavily permissioned. So like what are the the 100 top open source fintech repos? It's like, well, there, there really aren't that many. So if you want to like understand how people in financial services actually build things, you usually have to go and talk to those people, right? Because you can't just like go and find all the kind of like nitty gritty online. So if I backtrack to that when I was a software engineer, it's like, I'm building something. It's super interesting. I'm like integrating with Fannie Mae's desktop underwriting engine. I'm integrating to like the data standard for mortgage, which is Mismo. These are like things I learned about on the job. Probably other people in the industry knew about, but I, I didn't know who those people were. And I was like, there are so many other people building things in fintech who are having these same kind of realizations and understandings about all the complexity that lives under the hood, whether it's consumer banking, business payments, consumer payments, wealth tech. And I was like, I love building this stuff, but to understand how you build all of these different kinds of product in fintech, like you should probably talk to people who are building those things. So like six years ago, I basically started bringing those people together with small monthly events in downtown San Francisco. So our very first event was for the Cambrian community, which was actually called fintech devs and PMs at the time, which is kind of an unwieldy, but very descriptive name. The kind of title and orienting theme for the night was like how APIs power fintech. And we had uh, the Plaid team demoing the Plaid API. We had my team from Syndio demonstrating the mortgage pre-approval product we'd built, which under the hood was integrating with some of Fannie's old APIs plus credit bureaus, plus Plaid and plus some other things as well. And then we had a PFM that was built on top of Plaid demonstrating what they built as well. But San Francisco, very highly networked place. And so from that like kind of one small initial event, we just started doing more and more monthly events. We had presenters from companies like Blend and Stripe and Affirm talking not just about what their companies do, but like talk to us about a product you built and shipped in the last six months, like how you built it, why you built it, what was the business need, what was the infrastructure, the architecture, the surprising learnings along the way. And then because we had that kind of deep, authentic voice of people actually building things within the ecosystem, it attracted really interesting people, which attracted more interesting people. And before you knew it, we were running monthly events in San Francisco and in New York, doing two annual summits. And then, you know, I've got now got the newsletter group. I've got the meetup members. I've now also have a Slack community of 1,300 plus fintech founders. And so, yeah. again, it wasn't like something I set out to do on purpose. But if you like do interesting things with interesting people, I think that's a great way to... <laughs> To end up spending a lot of your life like talking and having interesting conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we as humans are naturally uh, communal creatures, and you know, you are kind of a from everything that you just said, you're almost like an OG like fintech creator in a sense, right? Like it's not so different than what a lot of the newsletter writers right are doing. I, and actually, some of the newsletter writers have have a venture fund too, which right like have launched one. So that's really interesting. You're like an original fintech. I don't know if we like the word influencer. It's like, all right. <laughs> Creator sometimes is like a little bit, almost like connector, community builder, right? Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. Do you think that having like that sense of community amongst founders and builders actually maybe helps with 
the competitiveness of the space because it is so oversaturated. I mean, at least at this point, do you think like having each other, being able to lean in on each other must be able to kind of help that, help it not feel so cutthroat? I think it helps a lot, but I would also say there are aspects of financial services that are very competitive. But one of the things I'm excited about is like there are more people like me who are software engineers at an early stage fintech many years ago who have now done one, two, three tours of duty, have kind of discovered novel insights and opportunities that are big opportunities that are largely uncontested. As an investor, when I find companies, usually it's a serial operator who's been at several different fintech companies, but also, and ideally, you know, outside of the fintech ecosystem, maybe at traditional financial services or in something completely outside of even financial services where they've kind of learned something as well and then brought that into the fintech ecosystem. And there are a lot of uncontested opportunities. If you look at fintech penetration in certain categories, it's like 1%, 3%, 5%. And so what that means is 95% of the opportunity to build really great category-defining companies still exists if you know where to look. And then the types of teams who are pursuing those opportunities, some of those things are like pretty complex and interesting. And so there literally might not be anyone else building in that category, right? Because you're kind of taking your novel insights, your like network of relationships to hire the initial team to go out and kind of build something new. And so that's what I'm really excited is I think there's actually tons of opportunity and there's tons of opportunity um, if you know where to look that's not super contested. There are some things that are contested uh, though as well. I think it still feels incredibly new, uh, not only because maybe I've only been in the space for a few years, but also just the the more public acknowledgement, right? Like being a little bit more center stage and even just from the news to like what we just talked about, like being talked about fintech at social gatherings for the first time that never happened to me uh, before the, the pandemic. When it comes to the solo fund and branching out on your own, if you will, did you feel like there was a little bit more room for you to build that community that you kind of started by doing that as opposed to sticking around with A16Z? Yeah. What was the kind of that thought process for you to do your own thing? I really love people who are thinking about starting something and like thinking about how I can be most supportive at the earliest stage in company development. And given where I've kind of spent my time building community networks and relationships, that's where I feel like I have a differentiated edge in understanding what the opportunities are. And even more importantly than that, understanding who the people are who are going to kind of turn over those opportunities. Because if you think about early stage companies, they aren't companies, they're just people with ideas and people live in networks of relationships. Another word for a network of relationships is community. And so if you have like a great community of people, that's a great way of identifying interesting people who are thinking about going out and build something new. And then I think community in a very kind of complex, highly regulated environment like financial services is actually more important than in other categories of venture like enterprise or consumer technology because you're not going to build everything yourself. You're going to need to have infrastructure partners. You're going to need to have sales channel partners. You're going to need to have like regulatory counsel and guidance. And all of those things can come from other companies, other individuals, other. And so there's this need to kind of understand what's going on in the ecosystem in a way that I think is more true in fintech, even than in other categories, especially at the earliest stage. When when you're just like 
two people getting something started, sure, you might have you know, a decade of experience operating in this general area, but you're not going to know about all of the various things that might be going on in terms of various infrastructure partners, you know, potential customers, potential regulatory trends. But if you're connected to a bunch of other smart people, and I try and provide and facilitate access and connectivity to networks through the kind of work that I do with Cambrian and through the, through the fund, then I can help like, turn over the types of people you should be talking to, the opportunities that you should be considering. And so that's why, like, for me, I felt like uniquely positioned to do stuff very much at the earliest stage. And then what's also like, you yeah. know, why do something on your own? So like, one is like, I think I'm uniquely situated to do it. Two, I really like doing it. And then three, I think this is like where the most value actually gets created is at the, the earliest stage. And then fourth, I would say like, it's the most fun. <laughs> so one thing that I get to do now is I write, you know, instead of leading rounds, I'll actually usually be the second biggest check after a lead investor. And what that means is instead of being hyper competitive with other investors in the ecosystem, I'm able to be more collaborative, which means that I get to see more great companies. And then I can conversely be more supportive to those companies in terms of helping them understand what's going on in the ecosystem. And so between all those things, it just felt like a good opportunity to go out and do something um, a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, and kind of thinking about it in a different way, right? So you get to approach this in, in a way that like you said, is suitable to you and how you think makes sense. I mean, what do you think in terms of when it comes to inclusion, right? Like not only is there a need for inclusion in right the type of product offerings that can be out there because there's still so like fintech has barely scratched the surface of what it can be. It's like so funny to me to see a lot of doom and gloom around the fintech space just because like funding isn't the same. And it's like, guys, we kind of just like really normalize growth and like a ton of it. And now we're, it, it's just has, it's not the same. So relax, like FinTech is still, still like the dopest place to be. So there's that side. And then there's also like the inclusion for more representation in the founders that receive funding in the early stages. I mean, considering such a focus on community, how do you, you know, make sure that you're hitting both of those things, especially given, you know, the unfortunate stats around like women and people of color and, and receiving such little funding. Yeah. Changes like these take a long time to percolate through the ecosystem because like today's fintech companies that got started are now 10 years old. So they're kind of a reflection of almost 20 years ago. What was the state of the world when this person got on the career trajectory that put them in the position to be the founder of the company that another 10 years later is successful? But what I'm very happy to be seen is that like talent is much more diverse uh, than it ever has been before. So I've done uh, six investments out of the portfolio so far, and I just try to identify and back the most talented teams. And 50% of those teams have at least one female co-founder right now. I don't know if hey. it'll be exactly that percentage going forward. Um, it could be higher, could be lower. But the idea is today, if you look at where talent is in the ecosystem, there's just a lot of great talent that does not look like the talent that used to, the, the last decade of, of folks who have built really great companies, but you know that kind of indicates a, a specific time. So it's been great just to see that um, on my end. That's like incredibly encouraging and needed to be heard, right? And that's kind of, that's what's exciting about even like this podcast and you sharing something like that. Because I think that hearing 50% of, you know, the even just like in your short time, right, the investments that you've made with your solo fund, having a female co-founder, you know, other people that especially the folks that listen to my podcast will hear that and say, okay, like, 
I can feel encouraged to also maybe, you know, create that next best idea. I'm talented enough because I think that diverse founders do tend to run into a bit more of that imposter syndrome, especially women, right? So like, it's just like a tougher situation and structural hurdles that they're facing. So it's awesome to like know that that's something you're, you know, thinking about and that what we're seeing today is maybe a little bit more of a past representation than what is to come. I mean, what would you say maybe to folks that that are maybe diverse founders that might be worried or s- scared to enter the space? Like, what are some like encouraging things that you're able to maybe share so that we can have more diverse founders moving forward? The main thing is just find other interesting people who you can relate with and like exchange ideas with, whether that's folks within your company or within uh, other communities. There are also a lot of other communities for diverse people along various spectra. So there's women in fintech. I have founders I know like operate in some like even very small communities that are basically just WhatsApp groups of founders oriented around some specific theme and find a lot of support uh, and value in that. So if you haven't found any spaces like that, they almost certainly do exist in some capacity that would be relevant to you. So just kind of ask around and find them. Um, And then the networks and communities you're already part of, definitely lean into those. And and if you don't find anything that you think like relates or feels like home to you, you can also try to start stuff. And it's it doesn't have to be big. Like when I did my very first event, it was basically just me emailing some individuals I knew. I've known founders who have started things with very small, just like little potluck groups. Um, you know, like very so it's not like you have to do this whole huge production to get yeah. started if you actually want to start something new. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we're at a place where, you know, there there is enough room for everyone. And I totally agree with you. There are so many different communities in the fintech space. There's like the community, there's what the fintech and what I've built, which is still fairly new, but there's also like New York City women in fintech and all these different places to go and have that nurturing, right? Because as the saying goes, your your network is your net worth. But it, I agree. I think it's so important to have the the folks around you to kind of keep you going, right? And and push you to to move forward. When you're working with founders and you know you're someone that is helping get them to level up to reach that next step, what's it like? For for you on your end, kind of being almost like this in this almost like mentoring type, right? And like growth position to help them get past maybe moments of those like imposter syndromes or moments where they're like, okay, even though I got a check, I'm still uncertain or um, scared or that kind of thing. The main thing is just to normalize the emotional experience that most founders go through because when it's happening to you, it can feel like unique to you. But the reality is, and it's somewhat comforting, like everyone experiences the same sense of like imposter syndrome, the same uncomfort and like lack of certainty. And so just saying like, look, I've worked with a lot of founders. You're not alone, by the way. And like, this is the other thing. My goal is not always to be like the person who can provide mentor advice on every single aspect of a founder's journey. But if it's not me to hopefully be able to identify some of the top people within the ecosystem who can be that resource. And so we've got 20 plus founders who are LPs in the fund. And so if there's a natural kind of affinity and connection and reason to be connected with um, someone who's, you know, backed me basically facilitating that connection. Then we also have a ton of founders within the Slack community. And so my goal is always to think about how do I leverage the community and the networks to like best support um, portfolio companies and portfolio founders. 
um, as well as folks who are just generally in the in the ecosystem. And so being less alone and uh, being connected to the right people for the right questions is, is what I think a lot about. What a network you have created for really anyone, right? As you're saying, like you're kind of opening up this like door for people to uh, interested to be able to actually like connect. And then I love that you mentioned that if it's not right for you, there's always, you know, someone else that maybe will make more sense that you can help connect them to. Is there something like about your, your upbringing that made you feel this heavy connection to really wanting to be this bridge? Cause that's, it's really what, it's really what you're doing. And I, I always love the saying, you know, to, to build longer bridges and not higher walls or longer tables and not higher walls. So is there just like something about your personal experiences that really made you be like, I want to be that bridge? It's definitely something I found myself doing over the years. So like I also run our, my college's alumni association out here and have built various other kind of groups, um, you know, in undergrad and in high school. Um, and it just so happens I'm also doing that in fintech. So it's something... I tend to think that people are often as much driven by just their kind of innate genetic disposition as they are by like certain lifetime experiences. And then you, what you do is you tell, but we're narrative driven people. So we tell ourselves stories about how these events shaped us. But in many cases, it's like we were part of those events because it was just kind of an innate disposition that we had that put us in those situations as well. So I think it's just probably part of how I think about um, operating generally, because that's just kind of how, how I am. For better or for worse. So. <laughs> it's just a part of, it was in my nature. Yeah. It was authentic to you. And that's really cool. Like to be able to build on that, that what something that felt just naturally right to you and feeling like community is an obviously smart strategy here. <laughs> Operate not only like in life, but just like operationally and in business. So, but that's, yeah, no, that's, that's really sick. Okay. So I, I feel like maybe one yeah. narrative I can share, like to, to think about it. So there's a time so I was building this community on like the side. I didn't really have any like particular aspiration or goal. Like this is what it's going to become. I was doing it because it gave me energy. And at the same time I was doing that on the side. Um, I was also working as a software engineer and I was studying at night and I'd actually enrolled in a master's program at Georgia Tech through Udacity to do like a master's in artificial intelligence. I only did like a couple courses. So I did not get very far along, but basically because I found that very intellectually interesting, but like I get done with my day job writing code and I like sit down in my front of my computer and I like just was not getting energy from sitting there and like learning more about this stuff. But I was getting a lot of energy from like connecting people in the ecosystem. Yeah. And so that's after a certain point of time, I just kind of put that on ice and it's like, look, I'm just going to spend more time over here because this is like where I feel like I'm more differentiated, where I'm having more fun and like the work is more interesting. And so that was one of the kind of turning points where I basically, you know, instead of going super deep on the end side, decided to spend more time building connectivity um, with folks in the fintech ecosystem. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for sharing that because I think it can be hard for folks to tap into what actually gives them the most energy. I think maybe we're seeing it more as like workplace culture has changed. But I know for myself, it took me a bunch of years uh, working, you know, in the in the simulation before the pandemic uh, <laughs> to actually do something that gives me like that really gives me that purpose, gives me that energy. Yeah, and FinTech is just like a cool place. I mean, where else can you find a bunch of cool nerds who maybe once were like in tech traditionally or traditionally finance and then like decide to put it together to create something new to help 
make change in the financial system that has many, many uh, hurdles and challenges and things to it. But um, I feel like I got to ask about some of the, I guess, like future I wanted to say innovations, but it sounded kind of lame in my head. But anyways, the future innovations that make you excited in the fintech space. I feel like that's something probably people are always wanting to know from you. So if there's like one thing right now. What's on Rex's mind? Not to not answer the question, but the thing I'm most excited about is that there are more talented people in the ecosystem than ever before. Hey. You, know, you go back 10 years ago, fintech's not a category. So what that means is if you're a founder building in fintech, you haven't had you know two or three tours of duty at a bunch of really interesting companies where you've learned things. Then when you go to recruit the initial team, you don't have this deep bench of talent to pull from. And then when you go to actually build something, you don't have this like suite of tools and services to build on top of. You fast forward to today, there are a lot of people in the ecosystem. You can pull whatever number you want. There are you know, 30 to 120,000 people working at fintech companies in the US. And what that means is there's a bunch of people who have unique and novel insights and who have access to deep benches of talent to like go and build new interesting things. And then as I said before, the opportunity is as large as it is ever. Like digital penetration of financial services is still usually less than 5% in like almost any vertical you define it in. And so what that means is there's 10x better talent and the opportunity is as big as it's ever been. Really there's opportunity everywhere because they're great people and we've really only just getting started. So as I like to say, there's never been a better time to build in fintech. So hopefully um, some of your <laughs> listeners are thinking about doing just that. And I'm sure a lot of them are. Exactly. And I, I will take that answer because this is humans of fintech and that lends really well to <laughs> to this podcast and all the things that we, we've talked about. But that is exciting, like to have a proper talent pool to pull from as opposed to, I don't know, I can't imagine how like, Scrappy, it must have been back in fintech's long history. Well, I, I do. I interview founders on my podcast, and we talked to like John Stein from Betterment about how he built yeah. his founding team. It's like, well, I met this guy who was a poker player, and then like another <laughs> early hire oh was my like gosh. my roommate. And yep, like that's fine. That's one way to meet people. But like another good way is like, oh, I worked with this person for five years on something related, and we're gonna like go and build something in this space together. It's like, okay, that's like. That's a lot less stressful than relying on kind of serendipity and like hacking together personal networks to yeah. build stuff. But, you know, more power to people like John who did that and still built really interesting category defining companies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love the Betterment story and had Sarah Levy on the podcast early on. She was like my second episode. So yeah. big, big fan there. Really cool. Okay. So last question for you. If we have to be the change that we want to see what is the change that you wish to see in fintech and how will you embody it? The thing that I kind of have chippers on my shoulder about and want to see change is I would really love to see fintech reach such a scale that it actually challenges the big five banks. So right now you look hey. at like the market cap of the big five banks over the last decade, it's like just kept going up. Uh, and so if we actually get digital penetration that is meaningful and force them to change their business models, hopefully we can build better companies with better you know, offerings for consumers and re-inject competition into an industry that has been incredibly uncompetitive. So that is what I would like to see. And my way of doing that is just by backing incredibly talented people to help take on and even change like the rules of the game and that what it even means to be a financial services company. Because you're not going to build, take out a big five bank by building a big six bank. Like It's just going to look completely different. And that's what I'm excited about. But what you are going to see is maybe like the big five banks aren't going to be as big as they once were. But who knows? Like They've been around for a long time, so we'll see. 
I mean, I'm with it. Let's take down the banks. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, let's let's see fintech do that. Well, Rex, thank you so much for for coming on for sharing all your insight. If the people want to reach you, if they want uh, to get involved in in all the things, how what is the best way to work with you? Yeah, CambrianHQ.com, uh, and we've got access to our YouTube channel, to our Slack community, to our newsletter, all of that. So so check it out. And thanks so much, Nicole, for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Rex. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. 